0: reading is from Romans 8. Yes, we are still in Romans 8. Such a good chapter. Romans 8 verses 31 through to 39. It's the end of the chapter, so next week we'll be on to another chapter. Romans eight thirty-one to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Heavenly Father, such strong and powerful words, such such words that, that fill us with confidence and assurity. Lord, I just pray that that would sink in tonight, that we would be sure of, of the fact that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, I pray that as as I speak tonight, that you would speak through me and that we would all open our hearts to you to teach us and to, to guide us and to comfort us and to challenge us and Lord that that we would go out from this place inspired to be more and more like Jesus Christ. I pray these things in that holy name, Jesus Christ, Amen. All right, well, obviously the the title of tonight's message is more than conquerors Doug can we have that on the screen yes more than conquerors Romans 8 chapter, th- chapter 8 31 to 39 now this stony faced fella is Alexander the Great it's obviously not him it's an image of him but in the early, um, BC, so before, before Jesus was around, Alexander the Great was a great king. He was basically regarded as, as one of the, the most successful military commanders. He was born in, in Greece, in a little town called Pella, in 356 BC, before Christ. And he spent most of his ruling years on a, a military campaign through Asia Minor and northeast Africa. And by the age of 30 he had created one of the largest empires known to the ancient world. Stretching from Greece to northwestern India. It's pretty big. He invaded, invaded Persia in 334 BC and eventually overthrew the Achaemenid Empire if you want to proper spelling of that word, come and see me later, it made him conqueror of Asia Minor. So modern-day Greece, Turkey, um, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, all those sort of places. And he, he ruled over this entire space. Seeking to reach the ends of the world and the great outer sea, he invaded India in 326 BC. But he was unfortunately turned eventually forced to turn back due to the demand of his troops he died in three hundred and twenty three b c in a town called Babylon or a city called babylon and he, he wanted to establish that as his capital in the years following his death. Civil war and, and disruption from his heirs tore apart his his um, conquered lands and it, it ended up ruling Uh, ended up being a number of states ruled by his heirs. Now, you could say that Alexander is a legendary conqueror. In his short lifetime, he conquered many countries and empires and left his name on cities. Alexandria in in Egypt is named after him. Some of which, um, uh, never mind that, you could say that he is one of the most well-known military conquerors of our time of all time perhaps. And now Paul uses this as a phrase to build upon his idea of, of who we are in Christ Jesus. He says that we are conquerors through him who loved us. He says not just that we are conquerors, but that we are more than conquerors. Now to conquer something means to, to take it by force. Or it can mean to overcome. And obviously, we haven't taken anything by force through Christ Jesus. So, so obviously, Paul is, is meaning that we have overcome. And he says that we have more than overcome. We have more than overcome through Jesus Christ, through Him who loved us. Verse 37. Such. That verse is, is a, key par, a key part to that passage. He says that we have more than overcome. So to be a conqueror means that we've been completely victorious. To be more than a conqueror must mean that we have more than been completely victorious. In the progression of this chapter, And I'm going to reiterate this time and time again. We have been made no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We have no condemnation and and therefore we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We have the Spirit interceding with us and interceding for us and indwelling within us. And now we are more than conquerors. We have overcome in Christ Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, um, the Cowboys played the Bulldogs in Townsville, and they overcame. I wish Darren Castle was here tonight; he's a big Bulldogs fan. The final score in the in the game at full time was thirty six to nil. The over uh, the, the Cowboys not only did they win the game, but they overcame. Not only did they overcome, but they overwhelmingly overcame. They were completely victorious. There was no question in the minds of those watching the game, whether it be at the game or on TV, there was no question in their minds of who was the victor. And that's what's said of us. That's what's said of us, that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus that we are more than overcomers. And yet again, this is through no work of our own. Notice that through him who loved us. It's not, not my ability or strength or, or talents that makes me an overcomer. It's through him who loved us. And it's not not our specialty or or anything that we've done or that we're really, really strong. Or, there's nothing that, that makes us overcomers. It's only through Christ Jesus. It's only through Christ Jesus overcoming and um, and implanting his Holy Spirit within us that we have been able to be conquerors. In the Old Testament there's heaps of examples of the Israelites overcoming their, their enemies. And nine times out of ten, these enemies that they match up against are stronger and larger armies and more experienced at fighting than the Israelites are. They don't match up for for size and ability and and experience. But yet they always overcame when God was with them. God fought for them and and all they had to do was trust them and trust Him. And now Paul says that God has done that for us as well. The reason that we have not, that we have been able to overcome is because God did not spare His own Son. Have a look at verses 31 through to 35 with me. Verses 31 through to 35. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, who more than that, was raised to life, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? God gave up his own son for us while we were still sinners. It shows a real great picture of God's graciousness towards us. Romans 5.6 is, is one of my favourite verses. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. So not only did God spare his own son for, for people who, who may have been um, good, no, he, quite the opposite. He, he spared his own son for people who are not good people who are ungodly. And exactly the right time throughout history, God gave up his son at the time when one of the cruelest deaths was was practised in the Roman Empire. At the right time in history, God gave up his son for the purpose of saving us and to reveal his glory to us. And now Paul is saying that if God can do that while we're ungodly, how much more now that we are made right in God's eyes and that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and that we are children of God and co-heirs with Christ, how much more can he do for us? Let me put it in my own words. If, if God is able to pour out love on ungodly people, what sort of love and what sort of favour will he give to people who are, are saved by the blood of Jesus, who have been brought into a right standing with the, with the Father, who have, have been made to indwell with the Holy Spirit? The kind of love that God can pour out on these people is a, is a kind of love that cannot be separated by anything. It's the kind of love that God can give to people who are now considered his chosen ones, his people. Look at verse 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things things to come, sorry, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying that there's nothing that can separate us from that love. Look at how he uses opposites to explain that, that nothing can separate us from God's love. There's, there's life on one hand and there's death on the other. Two extremes. Angels, hev- heavenly beings, rulers, earthly beings who, who rule after kingdoms, rule over kingdoms. Things now, things in the future. Height, depth. So, height, depth. And anything else that he says, anything else in all creation, anything else that I can't think of. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing on earth, below, or in heaven above. There's nothing 360 degrees around us, nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I've repeated myself intentionally. There's nothing that's outside of us that can separate us from the love of God. There is only one thing that can separate us from the love of God, and that's ourselves. If we choose to, to walk away or, or to distance ourselves from God, then we can gradually separate ourselves from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If we are not living according to the Spirit, then we can gradually separate ourselves from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever heard of the, the term or, or the, the idea of electromagnets? They are strong electrical magnets, hence the term electromagnets. They are metal pieces of metal that have been wound up with electrical currents. And they're used in scrap metal yards. There's some in those um, speakers there. They're used in audio speakers. They're used in doorbells. Pretty cool little things. But while this metal is magnetised, while the electricity is flowing through it, the things that are attached to it are inseparable. So you can't pry those things off of the, the, um, the electromagnets. I said they're used in scrap metal yards. So these things can, can pick up whole cars. So they're very, very, very strong. But yet when the electricity's turned off, when it's, when it's not flowing through it, it's just a hunk of metal. It doesn't work. So it's similar with us. Well, the electricity of a relationship, I example, living by the Spirit is turned on then there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But when that electricity stops flowing or, or we put blockers in the way or we turn off the switch entirely, then there's, there's no strength in our magnetism. We're just like the magnet, we're just nothing. So there is one thing that can separate us from God and it's, it's only us. When we start to drift away from God, we start to separate ourselves from him and his love. And I want to reiterate that there's nothing that can separate us from, our, from the love of God in Christ Jesus outside of ourselves. Again, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, verse 37. We are more than conquerors through Jesus' death and resurrection. We are more than conquerors because there's no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because we are co-heirs with Christ and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But I want to ask you tonight, if we are more than conquerors, why do we sometimes live as though we are defeated? Why do we sometimes get so down on ourselves and feel so guilty about our sin, instead of being disgusted by it and coming to God and confessing that sin, we get guilty about it. We feel depressed about our sin. Well, why do we feel ashamed to live lives that are different to what the world says that we should live? Why are we nervous sometimes about sharing our faith with others? If we are more than conquerors, why do we get so down about these things? Sometimes. We need to take heart at these words that we are more than conquerors in, through Him who loved us. And we need to know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that God has for us through Jesus. Second Timothy chapter one. Verse six. And if you can't read that, you'll have to really, really quickly turn there. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, uh, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, folks, I forgot to move on in my slide. Folks, Paul is sure that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. He is certain that that the God who gave up his own son can only give us good things from here on in. And therefore, we don't need to be ashamed or afraid of anything that the world can throw at us. He's sure of the love that God has for us. If God can do this for us while we were still sinners, if God can give his own son and resurrect him from the dead, how much more can he do for those people who are called by his name? I want us to be challenged by those words tonight that we are more than conquerors but also those words in 2 Timothy as well that we should go out not being ashamed of of the lives that we are called to live because we know that God has an amazing amount of love for us now. Let's be challenged by that this week and, and live lives according to that truth. Let's pray. Father God, I just just want to thank you for the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. I thank you for the, the fact that you were, you were willing to give up your Son for us, even when we were still sinners, when we were separated from you by a chasm of our sin. And Lord, help us to grasp hold of the fact that that now that we are saved by your name, redeemed by your blood, now that we are these things, now that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, help us to live lives that, that stand on that truth with confidence. Help us to not be ashamed of the message of your son. Help us to not be ashamed of the the glory that is to come. Help us to look forward to that too. Lord, fill us with your confidence and yours alone. And pray these things in your name. Amen.